Hi, Graham. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm good. Thank you very much. I'm uh, enjoying the start of autumn here in the UK. The weather's turned and uh, we're getting ready for the new seasons. So how are you? I'm good, thank you. I have to agree. I, I was that person in the end that did complain about the heat. So um, I'm sort of glad. <laughs> a typical British person complaining about the weather. So I was that person. Um, but I'm delighted to, to have our um, guest today, Barbara Leverett from uh, the States, who is the head of global payroll operations. Uh, so hi, Barbara. Nice to see you. Hi. Thanks so much for uh, having me here. This is wonderful. Hi, Barbara. Lovely to have you here. Let's dive right in. I want to I want to start, um, Barbara, just by asking you to to cast your mind back and think about your first payslip. What was that first mm. job you were doing that you got paid for? Now this is going to be interesting. This is going to be very interesting because I did not. I you know how you go through uh, maybe high school and through your youth and you actually uh, work and you get a payslip. I didn't. I did not. So my first payslip was a payslip that I actually generated. No way. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, Tell me more about that. Yeah. So I actually, of course, you know, graduated from high school. I went to university. Uh, I graduated from university uh, with a degree in uh, business management and accounting. Uh, and then I got this uh, job offer. So interesting. Got this job offer uh, to be a, a payroll accountant. Within two months, within two months, I was promoted to payroll supervisor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and based upon my education, basically, mm. that, that was totally based because I didn't have like a, a resume. I didn't have like a background of doing anything. Uh, but obviously, uh, someone saw something in me, which is how, well, then- we, you know, tend to start. So then I guess the really important question, your first payslip, when you generated it, did you get it right, Barbara? Yes, <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, because I learned early on two things, that we have to have a great partner, right, <laughs> in our space. We have, to, we have to have a great partner. So I will tell you this, that the payslip was right, but not everybody's payslip was right. <laughs> so, so that's the, that's the key. Uh, and coming into it, I learned two things real quickly, real quick. One was that I knew nothing about payroll. Mm-hmm. Right? I had not been taught, even though I had been to university, I was not taught about payroll. I knew nothing about payroll. I also learned quickly that payroll was not about numbers. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it was more about people, uh, more about um providing a service, a service to the the uh, most valued assets of an organization. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, that 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 taught me a lot. And I made some mistakes. I think that's the key thing. I made some mistakes. And one of the what would I guess now I don't know would have been one of the biggest mistakes turned out to be one of the biggest. Uh, I don't even how do you say it? Advantages. Right. That moved me forward. Right. And actually, it was about a pay slip. So the pay slip had, uh, the pay, of course, the payroll had came out and everything and was getting these inquiries uh, about a certain deduction that was on the pay slips. And me not knowing anything, I don't know anything really, right? I hadn't been taught to do this. Mm-hmm. I contacted the Department of Labor, mm-hmm. the local Department of Labor. I contacted 
And I asked uh, this great fellow, oh my goodness, great fellow, uh, ask him, uh, actually, I left a message. He called me back. And I asked him about this calculation on this, on this pay slip. And he said, oh, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. You can't. It's kind of illegal. It's kind of illegal to do that. Uh, and he actually took his time, walked me through it, uh, told me what should be done, what shouldn't be done. We developed a cadence where uh, this fellow and I would meet every other week and kind of talk about pace. He worked for the Department of Labor. Right. As And I will carry on. As my career kind of progressed and I changed from one company to another company, he actually served as a reference for me. Oh, really? So our relationship grew. Our relationship grew. But I, I would say never call the Department of Labor. Try to use other resources. But for that particular case, that worked to my advantage. So you're fresh out of college. You've stepped into a payroll job. Um, you, you, you're asking, you know, all the kinds of questions that people do when they fall into a new job or a new industry. Why? Why do we do this? How does it work? Mm-hmm. And then obviously you found someone who has a complete passion for what he does in the Bureau of Labor and and build a long-lasting sounds like a long-lasting partnership with mm-hmm. the uh, Bureau of Labor. But tell me a little bit about what business this is in. What kind of payroll are you running at this point? Hospitality. Right. Yeah. Okay. Hospitality, which you have all kind of things going on. You have uh, gratuities and tips and, uh, you know, you have people in different areas. You have people working in the hotels. You have people working uh, in the valet. You have people, you know, just food service. So it was all of that. So it was a quiet, you know, and I have to sit here and say this, that and, uh, I've been in several industries. I think it was the most complex industry to be in and then especially starting out and not knowing anything not knowing anything what i did learn though like from all of that was that uh i had to continue my education that i had to learn more i had to continue the education in order to do that in order to be successful for me to be successful uh and then i need to connect with people other professional people mm-hmm. so uh the company that I was actually oh, employed by, uh, like I said, they saw something different in me. So they saw it as an investment. Mm. So they actually backed me going to payroll conferences, HR conferences, uh, for me uh, participating in forums and working sessions and committees, uh, for me to be on cross-functional project teams where it would be, you know, within the business, HR, tax, and finance, uh, and for me to get certifications. So, so encouraging. I tell you, at some particular point, I was with this organization for a very long time, but at this particular some point, I was actually hosting payroll year-end events at, for other payroll. But by that time, wow. I became payroll manager, right. uh, but for other payroll managers. But it was because of the support that I got from that organization. Mm. And you and don't normally time- get that. No, and it, it sounds like a big organization. So how many people on the payrolls that you were managing? Uh, there was 15,000 people on the payroll. Goodness 15,000 in different regions. Yeah. yeah. By the end, by the end, whenever I started, it was actually about 3,000. So it was 3,000 in one facility. But then 
as my career expanded. And, and that's just a part of it. Whenever you show that you are engaged and this is something that is fueling your passion. I went, like I said, from payroll accountant to payroll supervisor with a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I went to payroll manager. Uh, then the next thing I knew, I was asked to be the regional payroll manager and things just kind of just went on its own, right? I mean, that's because of the people, the people there as well. But I remember a conversation uh, that I was having probably, I don't know, I was with the organization for uh, 13 years. So probably uh, in year eight, I had a conversation uh, with the CFO and he said, Barb, he said, "Um, what do you want to do next? Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I had never heard of this before, but this is what I said to him. I said, well, I think uh, I had got, recently had got a certification. So that was part of you know the whole discussion, mm-hmm. too. I said, I want to be the director of payroll operations. That's what I said. Right. You know, and then the uh, cycle went through uh, maybe a year went by or something like that. And he called me in and he said, you know what? You're being promoted to the director of payroll operations. And, That's and, wonderful. Yeah. It, you know, and I think about it because as I, as you kind of go back to your career and you kind of think about things and those days are totally different because, you know, we were doing the payroll, we were printing the uh, checks, we were printing direct deposit vouchers, we were sending them out, just doing everything. And when I look back on the journey and I talk about the journey, it appears like it came easy. Mm. <sighs> But it was so not easy, mm. so not easy. And I'm, I'm guessing you've got a mix there of monthly and biweekly, maybe even some weekly payroll runs. So every every week or two weeks, there's a there's a crunch point where you're you're working to uh, to make things happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And you have those things that happen. Uh, I, I learned that. Uh, that you have to be very forthcoming. You know, I, I, I can remember. Uh, where a direct deposit, when you think about this, like some key things in the career that are big failures, a direct deposit file was not sent out, Mm. right? And it was not sent out, but it was not confirmed. All of those things, those steps were missed, Mm. right? And I remember sitting in the office and talking to uh, the leadership team, and we were like, how are we going to get this triaged and all of this? And this had, you know, something with our, our partners at that time as well. And it was about how do we do the communication and all of those things. Uh, you learn so much from those, what I would call mistakes or failures, mm-hmm. you know, that has never happened again. Yeah. But I <laughs> <laughs> They're useful learning experiences. The one-time learning experiences, not making a habit of it. <laughs> exactly. So how did you find? Because um, you're based in the U.S., um, yes. and so you started it by the sounds of it in a single department in a single state, and then mm-hmm. you moved into a regional role. So mm-hmm. how did you find um, the complexity of all the different local tax codes, regional, federal taxes, state taxes? Um, you know, what was that? transition like for you going on focusing on one area to then adding um, broader portfolio? Again, it goes back to that education and continuing that education, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had to, you know, and a lot of things that we do within the payroll space, we kind of self-taught, especially at that time. Now it's a little different because there are trainings and there's things, uh, great trainings and things that you can go to, but you're self-taught. So you have to be basically a great student. 
You have to continue to read, continue to research. And, and that's what I did in, in, in one thing in making that mistake, that call, that mistake to the DOL uh, early on. It actually taught me that I could reach out to agencies and organizations mm. uh, that they will talk with you and they will try to provide you the proper guidance. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, you just get taught that way. But a lot of it had to do with peer networking also talking to other people who had been uh, in the space or have been in a different jurisdiction and that, that kind of grew. So when you kind of look at it as we kind of expanded out uh, into different states, into different, you know, localities. And even as I moved further into my career where it became different countries mm-hmm. and within those countries, different provinces and different cantons and different things like that. You just continue to talk and you continue to learn and you continue to participate in trainings mm. and you have you, you try your best to hire good people, too. Always a good philosophy. And you mentioned um, peer networks and it was obvious in your, your earlier description about how you moved through that you took part in industry working groups and cross-functional working groups. Do you still see the same opportunities with your team that you're leading now? Do they have the opportunity to go out and participate in those sort of cross-functional cross-departmental experiences. Absolutely. And it is so encouraged, so encouraged. You know, we go through these different events, these ebbs and flows, and I know we just came out of a pandemic and uh, things like that, that things have just totally changed. Again, we have to learn how to uh, live in a hybrid and remote work environment, what that compliance is. So I encourage my team to participate in trainings, to participate in committees and associations, those things, so that they can stay on top of those. What I've learned, too, is that as you kind of broaden, as I have broadened my scope over the years, I can't stay on top of everything. Right. So that's why you have to have the people on your team and be able to kind of move them forward and get them engaged so that they know that the information and kind of bring it back to you. And one of the most delightful things that I have, and this is so interesting, is whenever I'm talking to uh, someone on my team, one of the managers or something, and they tell me something I don't know, you know, and I just light up. Because I want to know more about it, make it tea, you know, tell me, tell me more about it. But that's just the being, being, being a good student as well. Do you think you can, you can teach that kind of curiosity and interest? Or do you think that's actually an innate skill that somebody has to bring to their role? I mean, Mel and the, the GPA um, are doing work at the moment around payroll as a career. Um, there's a lot of people who fall into payroll and, and quite a lot of them mm-hmm. stay because it's a fascinating, complex, challenging environment. But we're trying to you know, work out from some of these conversations what makes a success, no, excuse me, what makes a successful payroller. Um, and so can curiosity be taught or can you teach everything else if they are curious? I think you could teach everything. Yes, if they're curious. That, that, that's a good way to put it. I mm-hmm. think you have to stay curious. You can, you can kind of teach the other pieces. There's a few things that you have to have, you know, to be uh, very successful in payroll. You have to be very agile. You have to be apt to change. Uh, you have to be a good student. You have to be a good researcher. Those things could be core. If you have that, then, you know, the success should follow. I have to say this, that, uh, you know, as you kind of go into spaces and you understand that uh, there may not be the knowledge in that space. As a leader, there are certain things that, you, you know, you should do. One thing is, and Mel will uh, remember this, I actually reached out to her several years ago and said, hey, I have this new team, basically don't have the knowledge. 
We're in all these countries. Can you curate a training program for directly for this team? She did. Right. And that's that's about networking, too, and being able to ask the questions uh, And for for that team. I mean, this was uh, that individual training that they learned so much that they could question. Uh, and it just it just brought so much to the table. But that was part of our core foundation in starting this out. Congratulations. Well, well done. I know. Do, you know, well do you know what uh, so it's so bad I must be getting old because you just reminded me of that I actually forgot that we did all that because it was a big it was a big project wasn't it but, then yeah. that, but that's fun that's also fun for us to do because you um we can tell that people are learning is that geeky you know, that geeky thing of you know um the trainers get something out of it you guys get something out of it and I think it's um yeah it's just in that geek way it's re- that was a really good fun project like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean it was it was it was really good and 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 knowing that and and that's again about partnering and networking, uh, and reaching out and saying I know of this association and uh, hey can you do this yeah. you know for us we had you know met what? in person then I think right after that we met in person that's it yeah we we hadn't met and, and um yeah we we need to meet up again soon because that's been quite a while now but um I do agree with you networking because I think what um some of the most successful people within payroll are those that are really good networkers really good like get out there um you know if, even if they're um you know unfortunately get made redundant they seem to get those jobs quicker because people know of them it's just that whole, you know, because you're you're a good networker, aren't you, Barbara? Because so many people know you. Um, but I think I think that is such a, a key thing to to try and learn. If you're not naturally a networker, I think you you have to try and learn that skill. And I think if if you're a networker, Barbara, then hopefully your team will see what you do and learn learn from that because it's such a good asset or or tool to have. Absolutely. And have, have, as we kind of went through things, haven't the payroll space it seems like it's a it's so broad but it's a small community yeah. right it seems like we kind of run into the same uh all of us kind of run into the same circles uh yeah. which is which is interesting for me yeah we, we we had our event in dublin and that was a very small world <laughs> last week <laughs> Everyone knew each other, but it's right because you know I'll go to the states, and I'm sure Graham, you have a similar situation. Obviously, Barbara yourselves, you're going to an area where you maybe you've never seen been before, and and you'll see somebody you know, and you're like, I can't believe I've flown five thousand miles, and you're here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So maybe maybe that's a good opportunity to think about how Mel, you mentioned career moves. Um, so you've spent, I think, 13 years, you said, in the hospitality industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, been very clear with the CFO. I want to be director of payroll operations. And uh, he did as he was told. Um, <laughs> so um, what came to the point where you then said, it's time for a new challenge? How did you know it was time to look for something different? You know, sometimes there's life events. And I have to say, this was a life event. This was a, basically, uh, I'm sure you've heard of Hurricane Katrina mm. uh, here in the States. It was Hurricane Katrina. And whenever Hurricane Katrina hit uh, and we executed our great business continuity plan that we had on paper and in a binder that we didn't know would work. right? (laughs) But it it worked. So Hurricane Katrina came after that uh, event. It made me do. How can I say it? Maybe uh, you look back and you kind of see what you want to do. And at that time, I had an opportunity with the organization to actually do something different. Not move, move, actually do the same job, but do it in a different location. I decided not to. 
I decided not to. Uh, and with that, I, I felt like, oh, well, I went through this. So uh, I want to see maybe I should do something in uh, public service, in the public service uh, industry. And I went into education. When it's doing the same thing, director of payroll, but in education, same mm-hmm. thing. Uh, did that for a few years, and uh, then I got a knock on the door that said, hey, you want to do something different? And I said, yes, mm-hmm. it's time to do something different. Uh, and you know what? I, I sit here and think about it. Uh, if I can, as I kind of move through my career, uh, there was I made an active decision to leave and go into education. But these other, my other career, my other jobs are after that, it was actually someone came to me. Hmm. And you actually, um, it was an education establishment in, in New Orleans, I think. Yes. So, yes. Um, the great so how did that, how did that change from being in a very commercial um, hospitality based organization where you were saying lots of, lots of tips and cash and different variety of roles to, suddenly into a university, which I'd imagine is a little different. A lot different, a lot different. Uh, you know how you can walk in a room and somebody knows that, hey, maybe you sh- you don't belong in this room. Why are you in this room, right? So uh, it took some convincing of other people that that's where I should be, right? Mm. Uh, because I did come in and it was making you coming in from corporate. Mm. You're coming in from this large organization and you're, you're, uh, you're here, you have these ideals and uh, all of these things, which is which was true, which was true uh, and came in with ideas, but quickly learned that you have to navigate a little differently. I say, say payroll is kind of universal, right? Mm. Uh, but the industries are a little different. Uh, I really, really enjoyed my time there. It was a little, how can I say it? It wasn't as taxing. It wasn't, um, I actually got a great work-life balance. Right. Got a great work-life balance. Uh, had a great team, a team that had been there for a while. They had, they were established. Uh, so it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, a just a, a nice change. Now it was after uh, the uh, after Hurricane Katrina. So there was quite there was some cleanup things that need to be done. And that was one of the reasons that the organization was looking at somebody uh, who had had corporate experience to kind of come in. It, it was a wonderful ride, a wonderful ride. But it's kind of like those things that a certain challenge, you have to know whenever you need to be challenged a little differently. And and that's that's I could have sat there. I think I would have sat there. I think I would have been very, very pleased. Mm. But I needed a different challenge. And it's interesting when you when you describe, you know, walking in the room and not knowing whether you should be there. And there's been a lot of focus on diversity, equity and inclusion. And there's Mm. all sorts of varieties around which we reflect the communities in which we exist. But I don't think I've ever anyone heard anyone reflect on the fact that it's about being a corporate in a non-corporate environment. And maybe what the organization needs is not what the organization wants in that situation. So how did you handle that? that I mean, that must be quite a feeling to walk in a room and, and think, gosh, there's people here who do not want me here because of the background yeah. that I bring and the experience that I bring. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's it's kind of this thing. You have to have this self assurance within yourself. You have to have goals and know what, know why you're there, right? In a matter of, I can't say convincing people that this is what needs to be done. You have to have respect for the history and respect for the organization. Uh, I did walk in with bright bright ideas, 
right? Uh, but then I quickly learned that, no, these are not the ideas for this organization or for, you know, for in this space. Uh, there were things that could be done. There was things that uh, could be enhanced, but it wasn't like a redo that needed to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that I had been kind of accustomed to uh, setting up shared services, you know, all those kind of things. And th that's that's not what needed to happen there. There was an established group there. So I had to get this really kind of just uh, toned down, <laughs> toned down my ambition, right? Toned down my ambition and understand what the need was. A lot of times we will take roles and we, you know, from the interviews and stuff, we feel like we know what's needed. But then when we come into the organization, we have to sit back and do an assessment and understand truly, truly uh, what needs to occur. Uh, so I think um, being able to just change that and that that worked, that worked out well. And I'd, I'd like to just stay with that thought for a second, because, again, as people are thinking about payroll as a career and coming into the payroll industry, that notion of you can do the interview and you think you know what's needed. Um, any advice for you know interview questions or how you how you use the interview to really learn about the the role or how you would drill down? Hindsight being a wonderful thing, right? So um, yeah. any any thoughts you could share on that? So many thoughts on that. So many thoughts. You know, uh, I can say early on coming into the. Um, you know, profession and everything, you go to an interview and you want to show who you are, you want to show what value you're going to be to the organization. Uh, so, you know, you, how can I, you, you, you're so focused on presenting yourself and not asking about the company. I think as I've moved forward, it's more so of asking about the company, the company culture, the goals of the company, the strategy of the company, doing research before, before you go to the interview, as you kind of move forward, you turn down interviews, mm -hmm. right? Because you do research about the company mm -hmm. and you say, oh, that doesn't necessarily fit into what uh, I want to do. And you you feel comfortable in turning down interviews. You never, mm -hmm. you never kind of think about that. And I would have to say many years ago, I would have never thought that if somebody reached out to me that I would say, oh no, I'm not interested. <laughs> but, do that quite often. I know, no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. So I think learning more about the company whenever you go in and, and, and understand that it's a mutual interview. Mm. You're being interviewed and you're interviewing that organization as well. Yeah. And I think also it's like your gut feeling. I was talking to somebody about this um, this week because they're they're looking for a job, but in a in a relaxed manner, shall I say? That you know they're not in a, in a rush. They're not working at the moment, but they want to get the right job for them. And I do think it's listening to your gut as well so when you're meeting mm. people or the your prospective employer is actually like are they right for me you know what what's your gut telling you uh, because i think actually getting on with people is so important and people underestimate yeah. that don't they you know they yeah. do underestimate so if there's something that you're not sure about with that person actually maybe is it the right job or or do you investigate further and mm -hmm. again going back to networking uh, uh, you know it's, i think it's always a good thing to actually ask your network you know um if if you do know somebody that has worked there why did they leave and and try and, and find out that way so yeah absolutely absolutely and be be intentional you know as we kind of move through our careers we need to be intentional about you know where we want to go and what we want to do uh and it's kind of good to kind of you know just bob and weave bob and weave but 
be, be intentional uh, and understand that, you know, this position or the next position is a position to take you to where you want to go. And so when the call came in and you made the next move, was that when you started to move towards international exposure yeah. or was yeah. right? So that's what piqued me, right? So yeah. like I said, I was sitting pretty comfortably there. And then I was like, oh, this organization has called. It is a, a different part of the country. And uh, it has a global take, which, of course, is the United Kingdom uh, mm. a take to it. Uh, I was up for the challenge. And I think that's a big thing. That, that, that's a big thing. Opportun when opportunity knocks, you only know it's opportunity if you're up for the challenge, if you're mm. up for it. Right. You have to be prepared and ready. And I was I was prepared and ready. Uh, and it turned out to, again, I, I, you know, it turned out to be a great experience, a great organization uh, establishing shared services. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. And again, I came in there and I was like, OK, here's here's what needs to be done, which was one of what is one of my questions. What what uh, does do I need to accomplish within the next five years? Mm. Right. That's what I need to know that. Yeah. Uh, and that co goes up on my basic storyboard. And I'm like, OK, these are the things that I need to do uh, and uh, was able to accomplish uh, those things. And I uh, was, again, having a wonderful time until I got another call. Mm. And when you say shared services, that was a payroll shared service center or yes. multifunctional because we've had some quite interesting conversations about trying to bring payroll and HR closer together, mm, payroll mm -hmm. and finance, and it doesn't always go to plan when people do that. You know, one thing is interesting, through, through my career, I have reported to finance, mm. I've reported to HR, and I have reported into a service center, mm. to a share service center, excuse me, a share service center. Uh, it, it, I know we always talk about where does payroll, you know, where should payroll report to? Where should payroll land? And what I think I've learned is it depends on the organization. Yeah. Do you think that payroll should be its own department? Because we're talking about it a lot over in the UK. There's um, there seems to be like a movement starting up. I mean, we always talk, as you say, we always talk about it. But realistically, do you think payroll should be its own department? You know what? I think in a way it kind of kind of is right mel i think i think that whenever you look at the the payroll where wherever it falls it's it's a structure of its own uh you know you at one point you would say though was 50 percent hr 50 percent finance and uh, all these kind of things no I don't, I don't that's not necessarily the case uh it's it is kind of standalone whenever you whenever you look and say where should it what again even in that what does it report up to it has to report up to somewhere and even in the standalone, how do you handle that? So that brings us to today. Um, you're, uh, you're in a slightly different role uh, again now. And I, I think you moved actually internally during the, the pandemic, if I understood correctly, you, you changed roles. So that's something. Share, share with us uh, a little bit about you know, what that experience was like and, and what your current job is, you know, where you're based, <laughs> the geographies you cover, the size of the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, of course, I, I started with uh, this company uh, uh, several years ago, of course, to lead the global payroll charge. Um, and, and with that, have accomplished some great things. I think, you know, this has been I've been here seven years and accomplished some great things. And you know that you're in the right role whenever you have the right leadership support and you have the right team. Mm. Right. And that can just be for a period of time. 
but you feel like, oh, yes, this is it. This is it. And it often takes uh, a lot of things to happen, a lot of progress to do that, to make that happen. Uh, and uh, I, I think that, you know, when we look at everything, that we've accomplished a whole lot and there's a lot more to uh, be done. But that's always with payroll. That's always with payroll. Uh, and like you said, over this last uh, year or so, my remit has been expanded to, you know, benefit operations. And whenever you look at that, you kind of think, OK, payroll and benefits. Yeah, they kind of go together. Right. Uh, you don't necessarily know, but they kind they kind of go to, go together. Payroll is all about operations. It really is. It really is. It's about people. It's not about numbers. It's, it's about how the operation is about a service. So is benefits. Mm-hmm. So is benefits. It's about a service. Uh, so whenever I was asked to uh, expand my remit, I'm like, oh, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. So yes, let's let's do this. Uh, and it has has worked out. Has worked out well. Uh, we're still trying to get everything meshed and everything together, but it's working well. Um, actually, uh, here outside of Atlanta, I'm in Alpharetta, Georgia, actually here. Uh, I have a team. This is interesting. I, I have an intern team of seven. There's eight of us. We have a very small team, but we have great partners. Mm. A small team, great partners. Uh, the team is located, like I said, here in Alpharetta and also in London. Yeah. And are you, how many countries are you across? Uh, currently, we are across nine countries. That has mm-hmm. changed. At one point, we were 15. Uh, it kind of ebbs and flows depending on the business needs. Mm-hmm. And, and what have been the, the principal challenges of, of expanding the geographical footprint and, and just operating in countries where you've, you've not operated before? I have to go back to education. Mm-hmm. I have to go back to that. You don't you don't know what you don't know. And it is important, you know, whenever we are expanding and going into different, you know, segments, different countries, uh, we definitely try to take the educational courses, uh, try to talk to our right partners and and really just take it as a learning experience. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that that's that's what you can do. You, you can never know everything about global payroll. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't. Uh, you have to. I'm sorry. Say a it constant again. journey to learn. It's a constant journey of yeah. learning. Constant journey of learning. Well, especially in this last two years. So if you think about the change in the regulatory environment and the focus on payroll in the last two years um, and the pressure on you know you and your role and your team to make sure that everybody is looked after and, and paid. Are there any reflections or key learnings you've taken away from the last couple of years in particular um, that you carry forward into how you think about payroll for the future? Yeah. You know what we learned? One of the biggest things that we learned is that that payroll could be done remotely. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have the proper processes, the proper controls uh, and of course, the technology, it can Mm. be done remotely. Uh, and but with that, uh, I think we also learned that uh, the well-being of our teams needed to be uh, a high priority. So I think that's what we're taking. That's what we're taking forth. We're taking forth that yes, there is a job that needs to be done. Uh, there's work that needs to be done, but we need to make sure that uh, our teams are taken care of, that they are well. You know, I think that's just been part of it. I think a whole a lot of organizations have realized that um, and that's what's going to continue on. Hmm. 
and and in that broader area of employee wellness how do you think about the emergence of technology around um, financial wellness and employee wellness and earned wage access and some of these new innovations that are coming to the payroll industry yeah you know what it's exciting isn't it i just totally different just totally different just totally exciting uh, i remember whenever you had to have uh conferences or meetings or workshops to teach employees how to complete a w-4 which is the u.s tax form mm -hmm. right uh, when you had to do that how your you know the gross to net calculations now we're moving to how you really manage your finances with employment with employment that is so that is so different i never thought we you know as i kind of look back there's a few things i kind of didn't see on coming one was that you basically will be checklist that everything would be direct deposit or wired to your account uh i didn't think that we could work in these hybrid remote environments mm -hmm. right and now we're moving to where we're you know, away from the regular cycles of pay, the monthly, the biweekly, the semi-monthly, and maybe looking at more daily pay. Mm. Uh, it's an evolution. This is why this this is why this industry is so great. And in every country, it's, it's a different thing. different regulatory environment and tax code, and a different set of existing experiences that you have to to navigate as you move through. Exactly. Uh, let me tell you this. Uh, this is this is uh, just just a personal story, but this is interesting. Uh, my my father, who's deceased, uh, a long time ago, uh, whenever, uh, you know, you try to tell your parents what you do, you try to explain what you do. And I would always say, well, you know, I'm the payroll lady, you know, <laughs> basically, you know, because everybody knows what that is. And uh, he said to me, as time kind of moved on, he said to me, he said, you will always have a job. Mm hmm. Yes. You know, it may not be this. And what I've learned is it may not be the same. It doesn't look the same, yeah. but it will be there. There will, is always a need for uh, someone in the payroll profession. So what, what advice would you offer to someone who's trying to get into the payroll profession now? Oh, join, around join us. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're hiring. That's good to know. <laughs> no, no. Just, 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 just join the profession anywhere, wherever you go. Uh, what would I say? I would say that. It's not what you expect. Mm -hmm. It's like that that unknown behind the curtain uh, thing that happens, right? Uh, but it's it's not what you expect, uh, and you could be really challenged, and you could be really successful in the payroll profession. I think that's something that we didn't know. We thought there was uh, always you you just got to this particular level, and that's what where you were, right? You could be really successful. I think I'm. I'm uh, example of that. Hmm. So as you look back, what what one achievement, and I know it's gonna be hard to pick one, but what one achievement over your career are you are you most proud of that uh and, and, and why is that something that you're most proud of? You know, I, I don't know if it's if it's an achievement. I have to say maybe it is a uh how I have evolved. Hmm. I think that's it. I think it's how I have evolved just uh, uh over the over the years you you start out as being a practitioner right mm -hmm. i mean just really just into it a practitioner and as i kind of look back at as to where i am now where um i have been in management for a while uh but now i'm a leader mm. 
Mm. That's a difference. Yeah. That's a di- that that's a difference. So I think the the accomplishments for me is just my evolution. Mm. You know, and I hope I hope that uh, the people like I tell you I have had some great uh, uh, supporters and mentors and uh, just throughout my journey. I hope that uh, there are people who have crossed paths with me mm. who feel like I'm a great mentor and I've been provided some value to them in their career. Yeah. And so looking at it through that lens, what have your best people managers, the people who've managed you or led teams that you've worked on, what have they done that's made them a great leader to work with? Mm. Great supporters, transparency, transparency with me and have held me accountable. Mm-hmm. Have held me accountable. Mm. Given me ownership, you know, and have have held me accountable. I think that's that's what have, they have kind of just I don't know that that instills something in you mm. whenever you feel like you know you work for organizations and they say treat your job like you like it's your business. In order to do that, you have to take ownership and you have to be held accountable. Mm. Yeah. Do you, Do you think some managers are scared to do that? Because I've, I've had a few managers, well, I've had one manager in particular that I can remember was really like that. You know, it's like, this is your business. You've got to think of it as your business and you, you know, you work with it. But do you think some there are, there is some sort of managers that are a bit scared to give you, not necessarily yourself, or have you come across managers that are scared to give people that freedom? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think there is. But I think, again, if you, you know, Having people on your team, especially on your payroll team and everything, you have to have this level of trust. Oh, my goodness. You have to have this great level of trust. Uh, And with that level of trust, you have to have, you know, like I said, the controls and the processes in place. And if you can do that, I think you can step away. And I think one of the big accomplishments as a leader is to be able to step away and just know. Know what will be done. Know it will be done. Uh, but it comes back to the talent that you hire and it comes back to the investment that you make in that talent. Mm. I will say this. Everybody's not suited for this career. That's just the truth. This everybody's not suited for it. Mm. Uh, you know, we used to say that it, it happens and we never get the thank yous and we, you know, all of those kind of things. It's just something that should happen. And that's true. It is. It's something that should happen. People should be paid accurately and timely every time. Uh, whenever they reach out, they should uh, be uh, reach out to somebody who's receptive, who's willing to provide a service to them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it takes a, un- a unique person, a different talent to be able to do that, to be able to do that. Uh, payroll is so personal. It's a personal thing. You know, whenever uh, I have calls with, you know, the, the CEO or the CFO, it can be about their personal situation. It is not mm-hmm. about you know, of the business is such a personal thing. It takes a, a unique person, a person who uh, uh very trustworthy and a very confident person to be able to do this job. And one of the things I think is, is fascinating, you touched on how the industry has changed, but I think that element of it stays consistent. You know, pay is very personal to to each of the of the individuals. So not to diminish the 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 challenges that there are in just running payroll accurately and consistently and in a, in a timely fashion. But with that running with a team that you trust, where do you look for the next challenge in a, in a team? Where's the opportunity for payroll beyond just running payroll? 
what more can a payroll function be doing? What more should it be doing in, in internally with stakeholders or externally? Yeah, you know, payroll has totally changed, has has totally changed. Uh, as I look at my my team now, as where, where we are now, uh, you know, this group, are, you know, they're they're uh, analysts, they're project managers, they're uh, vendor managements, they're process owners. Right. That's different than processing the payroll. Mm. Right. There are so many relationships uh, that you have to have and you have to be able to navigate all of those relationships, especially in the global space. You have your global partners, you have your advisors, uh, you have the authorities. Uh, it's just a different talent uh, experience that you have to have. It's, it's, it's totally different. It's totally different. I remember the days whenever, you know, you were uh, retrieving information from a time clock. You were entering information to a system. You were doing, you know, <laughs> doing all of these things. I remember whenever I, I actually would go down to the check distribution and pass out checks, right? This is this is just so different. And you also have to, you know, all of those things I said, but you have to have a... a uh, a skill with technology. Mm. Technology is key. The ACM systems and the payroll systems of the past are totally, those are of the past. These new way things are totally different. So you have to be uh, pretty apt on technology. It, it's just a different, just a different environment. Just a, you have to be a different payroll person, which mm. is good. It has expanded. Yeah. And how do you personally stay up to speed on the technologies, the innovations, the development of AI and machine learning technologies, all the, the noise that you hear on the conference floor now that conferences are back and live events are happening and folks like me are marketing products towards the industry and, and you know, how do you how do you frame that out? How do you think about it and, and make sure that you're choosing the right technology or, or mm -hmm. investing in the right piece for your business in the future? Oh, you know what? I do, I do. I talk a lot with people. Mm. And even whenever we don't have a project in scope, I still want to know what is going on out there. Uh, I still want to talk to the providers the vendors and services, like you said, conferences and different things. I make sure I attend uh, events, uh, attend any kind of, and I hate to say trainings, but there are trainings, but attend trainings. Uh, any kind of talks that are going on, you have to make time. And, you know, and I, I, I said this and I, I say this in development, always in my development uh, conversations with my teams. I say you have to just as you allocate an hour for lunch. Right. Ded every day, if you dedicate an hour for lunch, dedicate an hour to professional development a week. Mm -hmm. Can you do that? If you did that, just imagine how far in advance you would be. There's so many sessions that are out there that you can take, that you can listen into. Uh, there's just, it's a lot. And it's, it's very difficult to stay on top of everything, but that's how you have to stay focused. Like I say, be intentional. But dedicate an hour a week to your professional development. You know, that'll surprise you at how far advance you would mm. go. That's great advice. And a great place, perhaps, Mel, to, to wrap up and um, finish the uh, the podcast. Barbara, it's been just a delight to listen to your your thoughts and experiences. Mel, any last questions or comments? No, I just, um, it's, it's lovely um, speaking to you. And um, it was great to actually meet your team um, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I can yeah. uh, confirm that you do encourage your team to get out there and, and mix. So obviously, you, you haven't been over to the UK 
for a long time, but it, it's so lovely to to see a, a manager tell the team or, you know, the leader to tell the team, get out there and, and you know, meet other people that are in the industry. So uh, that's great. But honestly, love, lovely um, seeing you today. And um, yeah, love, love hearing you and your beautiful accent, as I said <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so thank you very much, Barbara. No, and th thank you. Thank you all. Thank you both. And thanks for everything that you do for the uh, profession. Thanks so much. This podcast is made possible by ADP Global Payroll, giving you the confidence and transparency to transform global payroll into an engine for growth. Begin your journey at adp.com forward slash worldwide and connect with your local global expert.